in this one beautiful section, it says the brain interprets to the body. Yeah? So the brain, which is where the thoughts are happening, the brain interprets life to the body. So when I believe something's happening and I, want, and I say it's happening to me, there is an assumption that me is a body. Yeah? And when I'm thinking about me in the past, I'm being pictured as a body in the past. Because you couldn't think about yourself as spirit in the past. How would you be able to think about it? It has no quantity, no shape, no limitation, no separation or difference. You would never notice where the hell was my spirit and your spirit four years ago. Yeah? It would, be, it would be a blending. It's like trying to say, oh, I remember that little stream of river four years ago. You know? Yeah, how, how are you going like, to bleed out the different strands of river? Yeah? It's impossible. But the sense of being a body allows our mental state to think about us in the past. And because there's a body, it can think about what could possibly happen to me as a body in the future. This is called the obsession with self. It's as simple as that. And what addicts are trying to get relief from is just that. They're trying to, and there's addicts on a lot of levels. Everyone here is trying to recover from something. Yeah? There's spiritual addiction. If you go to enough meetings that are similar to this, you'll see it. It's a much more subtle disease, the spiritual disease, because someone isn't going to walk up to you and go, okay, you've been to too many satsangs. We're going to go off. Come on. Put down that DVD. Go buy another book. And I'm signing up for another damn retreat this year. No, there's no intervention because it's a more subtle, it's a more subtle takeover. But it's just as blatant that there's an identification as a self in place, and that self is trying to get out of self. It wants relief from itself, but it wants the relief from itself as itself. It's, said in, it's been said in hundreds and hundreds of year old scriptures. An old Zen master, Hoang Po, put it so beautifully. It says, you can't use mind, big M mind, to seek mind. You can't use the Buddha to seek the Buddha. You can't use light to seek light. You can do it for eons and nothing's going to happen. In recovery, we say you can't get out of self as a self. Self can't get out of self. The same way, Buddha can't get into Buddha. Mind can't get into mind. Light can't get into light. Because it's already that which the mental state is saying it needs to get into. Yeah? This is the dilemma. The dilemma is there may be, it may sound so real, you may feel so real that something is irritable, restless, and discontent, but then the advice given about that is way off. Because now you're going to try to get out of self as a self. Yeah? Almost like a slinky. It goes this way, and then it just keeps on generating itself. So self can never get out of self. So then where is the solution? The solution is prior to the problem. The solution is prior to the addiction. The solution is prior to the problem. The freedom from bondage isn't after the bondage, it's before the bondage. When you see bondage from before it, you see that it never could possibly ever freaking happen. It can appear to be happening, but it can never actually happen. What you are can never be bound. So the freedom is prior to the bondage. Or as as the solution, let's say we're in a condition where we're at a meeting like this, and maybe we're looking for a solution. So there's the problem, looking for a solution. From the problem's point of view, there is a huge need for a solution. I'm feeling the irritable, restless, discontent. I've tried a lot of formulations. It has never really translated into a stabilized, happy, joyous, and freedom. I feel like I've gone over every freaking formula this system of thought can give me, self-centeredness. It's actually even pushed me away from the okayness of now with the promise I will be okay, or with the old hope that I was once okay. So now it hides everything in time, And especially the only thing that's going to solve any problem in time is timelessness. And we're trying to approach it through time. 
What is a process? A process is of time, and we're trying to do processes to bring us to timelessness. We've never left timelessness. That's the solution. So from the solution's point of view, there is no problem. From the problem's point of view, there's a huge need for a solution. When the solution dawns on you, and you know the problem from the solution, not knowing the problem from the problem, the solution will inform you in many, 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 many ways that the problem is inherently imaginary. It's an activity. Yeah, It's a seemingly so, which the word seemingly means it appears to be true or false. This is the, the big key to you. Yeah. Everything has the ability to appear true or false, not in and of itself, but to you. That's the key. Everything has the ability to appear to be true or false. This whole place is seemingly so. yeah. But it needs to appear either to be true or false to you. Not you as the body, but you as what you are. So if something feels real, where did and it's not real, where did it get that feeling of realness? If this is true and they explain this as an act or an illusory event or a Maya, you know, whatever they give it many, many names, but basically the the essence of all the names is that it's not so, it's appearing to be so. What is it that's it, it allows it to appear to be so? What is that? If you follow back, it's going to lead to right where you're sitting. In a sense, you and I are the reality. And we're giving everything all the meaning it has, based on our seeming condition at that moment. And if we're a body, if we're taking ourselves to be a body and to be in time, and then we're open to be affected by so many variables, we're giving it a very, very skewed meaning. We're seeing false evidence as real most of the day. If something seems real and it's not, where the hell is it getting that seemingly real feeling? Can't generate it itself because it's not. But if we're in a certain condition, and I believe we are the reality, if we're in a certain condition, and one of them is a mental condition called identification as a self, in other words, being identified as a body, in that condition, we now give meaning to things. We take this to be real, and then we see other things to be real. The Course in Miracles has a beautiful statement about it. It says, you and I are the dreaming of this dream. Yeah? A dream is always seemingly so, isn't it? And as soon as you wake up, it gets to be seen as seemingly so. When you're in it, it's as real as real can be, can it? Can it? When you're in a dream at night, it's as real as real can be. It's only when the conditions change and you seem to wake up, then you can realize, oh, it isn't true. It's a dream. Exactly. So here we are. You and I are the dreaming of this dream. We forget that we're dreaming it. This is the key. How the hell are we forgetting that we're the dreaming if we're the dreaming? How the hell are we forgetting this incredible, important point that we're the dreaming of this place? How the hell do we forget that? Well, my sense of it, how it's been revealed to me, it's, it's the constant remembering that I'm a body allows me to forget that I'm the dreaming. Yeah. So now... You and I are the dreaming of the dream. We forget that we're dreaming. And in that state of forgetfulness, we give everything we're dreaming, thoughts, the power to affect us. It's an incredible diagram of everyone's day here. Every one of us could be having the same thought at the exact same moment, yet the effects would be different based on who is having the thought. Exact same thought. You don't, the thought doesn't have much meaning. It's the feeling of being the thinker of the thought or the thought about. That's where all the meaning lies. We could all have the same thought and we'd be, it would be producing different effects in every one of our little amphitheaters. Yeah? I have absolutely, your thoughts have no effect on me, but the same thoughts held as mine can have a huge effect. 
you might as well start seeing the exact nature of the wrong. You might as well be your own laboratory. You might as well, like we came here two months ago, I did a talk, I haven't been here for a few months, and there was a book out there, 900-page book on consciousness. Yet we're all conscious. Why would we want to read a book on consciousness sort of like as a thing, when we're the living expression of consciousness. We're not learning from that, that we have to turn to a book to learn about the living event that we're in. It just blows my mind. 900 pages. Well, if that were true, then we wouldn't even pick up the Course in Miracles. Hmm? If that were true, we wouldn't even pick up a Course in Miracles. Well, the beautiful thing about the Course in Miracles is they say you put it down in a year. You do 365 lessons. It doesn't say you do 800,000 lessons. It's just one year. The text supports that little change because you'll have a shift in perception and that hopefully that perception will be enough to allow your mind to entertain that all it is is consciousness. Exactly. And then you may not be, you may not be brought or led to reading any freaking book again because you become the living scripture of it. Yeah? Who the hell is going to know about awakeness other than what's awake? To turn it off and make it a topic to what isn't seemingly awake, to me, is incredibly insane. All these things here can be used to lead you right back to where you are, which is what we are. And I believe we're the reality here. I truly do. Because if we're given everything all the meaning it has, and therefore no thing can give us a meaning then I would say we're the big honcho in the, in the event. Yeah? If you take everything back, it seems like, Jesus Christ, if something feels real, it must be getting that feeling from reality. It can't get it from all of its other false evidences because they're false inherently. But why does it feel so real? Because what's, it's not the movie that's good, it's the audience. bro. It's us. We're seeing this thing occur, and because we believe that we're a thing, we take the reality of thingness. Yeah. If you could see you're not a thing, then maybe you'd be able to travel lighter through whatever movie is going to be in store for the action figure, this little 80 or 90 year marathon we're seemingly in. Yeah. But to travel lighter over all those events, not with the magical thinking that all your events will get great, but whatever events you seem to have to be in, you'll travel lighter over them. It is the greatest gift of all. You lose the need, or the, you lose the need or the interest to be liberated. Yeah. You lose interest in it totally. You're relegated into finding out because you've hit the wall of I don't know. And in that I don't know, you're relegated into finding out. And finding out is incredibly convincing. Yeah, to me, when I first heard this message, it was like an echo of something I knew before I ever knew anything. And it was like an unspoken yes, and it's just been echoing for years and years and years. It was like a done deal in a nanosecond, and now it's just playing itself out in time. It's a simple invitation, but we can repeat it constantly because it's never going to get expanded on. There's no need to add anything to it. You don't need any intensive around it. It's just a simple invitation. You're the experiment. You're the laboratory. You're it. You are what you're looking for. Or as St. Francis says, what's looking is what you're looking for. Put it to the test, finally. And see. Start entertaining the possibility. You may not be the thinker. Don't worry about the thoughts. Just see, is there a feeling of being the thinker coinciding with all the thoughts that are arising? And if that's the case, that one is giving the meaning to all the many. Why go through all the many if you could go to the root? Go to the thinker. Feelings. No problem with feelings. There's sensations being noted. But the feeler is a mental addition to the event. Seeing. 
conscious contact. The mental interpretation is see or seen. The emphasis on seeing goes away. Now it's on the objects, the seer and the seeing. Life's happening. Awesome. Mental interpretation takes over. Life's happening to me. Boring. Time drags on. You live on the hope that someday, not right now, but someday it's going to get really better. And then you can see it with people in their conversations. They never say, that, they never notice that they're inherently okay, not as a body, because that's always up in the air, but as what they are. But they, they live on the hope that I will be okay. Everything is thrown into time. The immediacy of the conscious contact is now made into a time event. I was less conscious, and if I work really hard, I'll become more conscious. But you never leave the realm of consciousness. It's sort of like trying to get you know, closer to the exit in hell. Or you move to a hill in hell, and it's two degrees you know, cooler than the rest of hell. You think you made it, but you're still in hell. There's still a bondage to an idea of being a body. The thought system sees you and me as a body. That's what it does. It thinks about you as a body. So if you're obsessed with the thoughts, it's quite easy to make the leap into being obsessed as a thing. You'll be identified as a body. So when a body feels bad, you'll say it's I feel bad. Or like in recovery, we have a perfect example. We have a statement in this big uh, this chapter called How It Works, where he describes, it's just before we do an inventory, where we write about uh, fears and resentments and harming other p- people in the pursuit of what we want. Yeah? To see how self has defeated us, the small s, and it says a beautiful statement. It says, being convinced, which means to believe with certainty, that self, this feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, the doer, the haver, the thinker, the feeler, all those senses, that's the sense of self. Yeah. So when a thought is noted, there's a feeling of being the thinker of it. When an action passes through the body, there's a feeling that you're the one that did it. Yeah. That's, the, that's the sense of self. So it says, being convinced that self manifested in various ways. So it's going to appear in a lot of ways in one's life. Yeah? So self manifesting in various ways is what has defeated us. He separates the two right there. Self and us. We's the us, yeah? And then we seem to all be saddled with a mental self. We call it me. Yeah. So here we go. So self manifesting in all these ways. Look at the dictionary. Look, go, look up self and then you'll see they usually have a hyphen and then they have attributes. Some dictionaries, there's 170 of them, let's say. Self-hatred, self-love, self, self-respect, self-emulation, uh, self-destruction, self, 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 self. These are all the manifestations of self. 170 of them. And if you total all up and you have an idea of good and bad, I'd say bad are about 120 of them, and maybe about 40 of them are good. So you're behind the eight ball immediately. <laughs> I mean, you're on a negative incline basically every day. So you can see it in the head. You watch your head. If you're having a good time, how long does it let you enjoy that without starting to feel, when are they going to find out? I don't deserve to be loved. You know, what are they going to do? She's going to know soon. I'm a fraud. But the same head, if it's feeling bad, says it's going to last forever. I'm entering a lifelong depression. I know it. (laughs) You can't... That's one second. You want that Turkish taffy thing happening all day, every day? So self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. We's the us, you know. Okay, if we're convinced of that, let's look at what? Selfs, selfs, not us, selfs, common manifestations. All right, so recovery picks out three of them and says, all right, we're going to look at three of them. We're going to look at resentment because it's the number one offender with alcoholics. It kills more alcoholics than anything else. So resentment is to refeel something. Like, so you felt someone harmed you or threatened you in the past, 
And then when something reminds you of that, which is again, mind again, remind, when something reminds you again, you have that same feeling you thought you had in the past. Yeah? Okay. So it says, all right, self manifests various ways, wise feeders. We will now look at its common manifestations. The first one is resentment. So if you look at it from this point of view, resentment is an expression of self in one's life. Yeah? Fear is an expression of self in one's life. Yeah. Harming other people in the pursuit of what you want is an expression of self in one's life. Yet, when we talk about it, we say, my resentment, my fear, my harming that person. You always are in the position of being the doer of it. How are you going to get free of something that has nothing really to do with you if you keep claiming it does? There's a huge difference between a resentment and my resentment. Hugely. We always use this thing at the meetings. You put a big board here and you write down money up there. Yeah? Let's say sex up there. Health up there. They all mean, they have a meaning to all of us here based on our conditions. We're not going to change those three words at all. Just going to leave them exactly as they are. Money, sex, and re, um, health. Yeah? Not to change them at all. We're just going to we're going to add a word in front of them. My money. The weight's different, isn't it? I could look around this room and wish all of you to have tons of money, but I don't want you to have any of my money. The my changes the meaning of money. Yeah? The money doesn't change the meaning of my. The my changes the meaning of money. The my changes the meaning of health. The mind changes the meaning of relationships. How many topics are you up against every day? And do you notice what precedes them all? This little, this little addition of my. And doesn't it notice that I would say that's the source of all the weight you're trying to get out of today? That my is the heaviness of life. And it's an activity. That's not so, but it seems to be so to us. Because we're in the act of being identified as a body. And to a point where we come to these meetings or these bookstores, all the while picking every book up without noticing that the frame of who's picking up that book is of a body. Yeah, That's how everything is being received, is how does this relate to me as a body? And we're talking about, I think I want to add spirituality to this body. I want to be, as a body, more spiritual. You hear it all the time. I'm really keen on getting more spiritual. As if you could graft like it's weight. There's like you could buy a slab of spirituality, like five pound slab, and graft it on to maybe your derriere or your thigh, and now you're more spiritual as a body. Yeah? The reference is so habitually put in place that before anything, before you're aware of any ball being thrown at you, the mental mid has caught it already and made it into something. Like the words here, in these, in these places, you'll hear a lot of words like awakening here, and enlightenment here, especially in this room, and, and nirvana, and everything like that. And if you really look at the definition of enlightenment, it means cessation of all suffering, yeah? Yet people are, entertain, are using, the mental states, using enlightenment to drive themselves crazy. And more an awakening is like the biggest bane of this whole world of spirituality, People now believe someone else is awake and they should be awake, but they're not awake because that what happened to that person who is now awake hasn't happened to me, so I'm unawake. <laughs> that was, it's such a beautiful word, and yet how the mental state uses it is driving the people who are entertaining it crazy. Literally. They would have been better off if they never heard anything about it. This is what I'm talking about. The heist is happening right in plain sight. All day. The mental state in time is one of the fastest things that arises. The only solution to it is found in timelessness. And that's what we're of. As Jesus says, we're in this world, but we're not of this world. We're not of time. 
mental state is going to outdraw anything. All your, all your, all the philosophies, the therapies. It's going to be the one who has the therapy. It's going to be the one who has the philosophy. Yeah. All the hours of meditation are going to be preceded by I've been meditating all those hours, and that I that it's implying isn't your idea of you as a spirit, but as a body. It's fast, but it can never outdraw what's looking. Because what's looking isn't an event. It's not of time. So no matter how fast I go, all right, you are, you, what you're looking for is what's, what's looking. And you go like this. You're never going to be fast enough to see what's looking. And there's no way you're going to outdraw it, yeah? I can't, even if I go, oh, I don't care, and try to catch it, I can't beat it. I can't get prior to it, Yeah? Because that represents timelessness, and all of this represents time. And the mental state is of time. It's a process. We weren't engaged in it when we were babies. There was no sense of self to about, I don't know, 16 months until the mental state developed enough. And you know what I mean? So we were conscious then, and look at all the qualities that were available to us when we were kids. Wonder, awe, spontaneity. When I was playing with, you know, on Friday, I wasn't worried, will I be playing next week? Because next week hadn't set up yet. I had no idea of time when I was a little kid, yeah? I'd be playing with the ants, and there was no observer going, oh, Paul's playing with the ants. It was just ants, yeah? Me and Wayne Griffith, my friend, we played with 13 plastic army men for like four years in a row, every day underneath an apple tree. Just... I kn- we didn't, no more, no tanks, no, just 13, four, and just imagination just ran supreme. What happened? What got developed? Like we say in recovery, you're going to be able to outgrow fear, which implies that we must have grown into it. We must have grown into something that we can outgrow. Yeah? It's like... If we were in a world, there was only one sense for you to have an experience of this whole place. And the world's one sense was the sense of feeling. Yeah? The only way you would know anything was by feeling. Yeah. Okay, and maybe without knowing it or not, there's a heavy, there's a thick, crude, rough glove over your hand. And you're paging through scriptures and they're talking about heaven as if you're walking through a rose garden and touching all these incredible petals that are as soft as a baby's rear end. And you believe that's possibly true, but everything you touch, everything you touch is interpreted by the glove. The glove isn't what's touching them, it's the hand, but the hand has a glove over it, yeah? Which it doesn't know. So everything it touches, it's translated through the glove. This is what the sense of self is like. So here you are, you're conscious, and you're in this event, but what's claiming to have the event is like this rough glove. So when you hear that well, there's need, you need do nothing, you can't get it. When you hear that the seeker is the sort, it, can't, it just doesn't translate. You still believe you have something to do with it. And they, all these cryptic messages keep saying it has nothing to do with you. They say it's the open secret, the gateless gate. And basically, there's no approach. But the, through the glove, it just cannot make sense to us. Yeah? Because we have become defined as a body. What would happen if the glove, and it doesn't have to be pulled off, all there is, there's got to be a little message, even in a rough envelope, to get through here that says, you're not the glove. And maybe the hand finally pulls out. Nothing has to happen to the glove. It just pulls out, and then it starts feeling things, yeah? And then things start making sense. Blue becomes blue. Green is green. Everything becomes obvious. That used to be so confusing. You don't need a scripture. You're the living scripture. You feel the rose petal now. You can sense the presence. You can get established in what's always happening at all times because you are that which is always happening at all times with no requirement necessary to meet it other than the ones we agree to or believe. It's a possibility. 
that you are what you're looking for. You can find rest there. There's no rest, like they say in the Bible, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Yeah? In this world of inness, there's no rest in the inness. The only true rest comes from the ofness. And I would say we are the representative of that ofness. We are that hose, that ofness, that water of ofness can come through. And by coming through, the hose intimates the water. Yeah. And it's incredibly refreshing. And then you'll, like we say in recovery, you'll know the word serenity and you'll comprehend peace. You'll get a real tactile sense of these conceptual ideas that they throw around. You'll actually feel what surrender is like. You'll be the authority. Not the mental state, but your innermost. You'll be the authority. So this whole message isn't trying to describe what we are. It's trying to describe what we're not. So we can and maybe entertain that I've been seeing from a false reference. And that seeing wasn't even seeing. It was a form of looking called self-centeredness. And that's what's been causing my blindness to the seeing. Because I've been so busy, busily trying to look for it, I'll never find it. It's such a simple invitation. And, you know, it's not a path to illumination, but it will illuminate whatever path you're on. So, as an action figure, I'm on the path of recovery, and this message has brought great illumination to that program. This is not a path to illumination, this message. We're all on paths already. We don't need another path. But we, it would probably be very nice and helpful if there was a little more illumination. And instead of trying to find artificial lights, let's find the real one. And that real one is right where we are. It's just like the difference in a dark room. What happens if this room went dark and you weren't familiar with it? A lot of problems would arise, yeah? You wouldn't know where the bathroom was, so you'd have to try to get through, and you'd run into these chairs, and you'd hit your knee, and maybe you step on someone's toes, and they'd get resentful at you, and then you have to really go, and you can't go anywhere else, and then maybe soil your own pants. Yeah? You know, you'd have all these ideas, so what happens is, all right, I'm going to preemptively say I'm sorry before I hit anyone, because I know I'm going to hit them, and, and then get knee pads, so when we do hit the chair, it won't hurt so much, and make some cryptic language, where are you, over there, over there, and, and then someone, some very smart entrepreneur will try to sell us maps to where he thought the bathroom was once, yeah, so we'll pay $10 to try to find, all right, lead me to the bathroom, oh wise one, you know what I mean, but instead, Instead of just entertaining the idea, what happens if the light switch goes on? Do those problems have any existence in and of themselves? As soon as the light becomes obvious, I don't need knee pads. I can navigate through here. I don't, I'm not going to buy a map to the bathroom. I can see the bathroom door. It's like we tell, we tell this story. When I, was, I went to Turkey once, and I was in Istanbul. You've ever been to Turkey? These people are the best salesmen in the world. They'll, they can sell you anything. And it's very trippy, because they come over. One guy came over, and he acts like a volunteer tour guide, but then he, take, he shows us a couple places, but then he takes us to this big rug place. And as soon as he gets us in the door, you never see him again, and then there's all these other guys, his cousins and everything, and they come out, and they go, hey, have a Turkish coffee, have some apple juice. And they start bringing out rugs, and they're flipping them, and they're describing, oh, these are 100 euro, and they're doing an incredible show. And it can go on for hours. And then one guy leaves, you never see him, and another person comes. It's like a huge tag team match. And I'm sitting there, and it's incredible, but it's something happened. When they finally say, well, what about you, Paul? I said, I love a rug, but I don't have a flaw. You see? I had total immunity to all the advertising. I was going around the world. I didn't have any place to live. Oh, well, we can, we can fold it up and put Give me a break. I'm not going to Thailand with a fucking rug on my back. So I had, because of the obviousness of that I was flawless, I had no, they couldn't, I couldn't get sucked into the 
advertising to have a rug because I have no floor. This is what this message is like. If you are not that which is being thought about, you'll lose interest in the thoughts. If you're not that which is saying it's having the feelings, you'll lose interest in a healthy way to the feelings. If you're not that that's, with, that's in time, you will lose interest in time. If you're not that that's being thought about in what's not happening, you'll lose interest in what's not happening. As a byproduct. Just like I had an immunity, there's no way in hell I was going to buy a rug if I stayed there 24 hours or an hour because I had no flaw. It was an obvious fact. Gave me total immunity. This is what we're sharing here. If you're not the thinker, you'll lose interest in the thoughts. If you lose interest in the thoughts, the thoughts can't carry such heavy meaning to your life. The only reason why feelings mean so much is that you're the feeler of them, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I've seen the diagnoses. The only reason why thoughts seem so important because they're about you. <laughs> Take the you out of it, you'll see it's an old loop. Some of them are like were printed in 1983, you know what I mean? So how do you take the you out of it? You don't. You realize there never was one. That's the solution. <laughs> hopefully that's not a how just hear this message and see what happens that's what happened with me I entertained the ideas they were offering and some things came to pass once they came to pass they can find they can anchor in and then something that seemed to be put into an experience in a distant place like the Himalayas or at a retreat becomes the commonplace it's where you start from the place that you were so feverishly looking for is where you start from every day. Yeah. You're not in the business busy. You're not in the business of trying to get peaceful. You are peaceful. Yeah. You are content. You know what the word enough means. It becomes living and breathing, not a conceptual idea of knowing something, but a finding out about that which can't be known. Yeah of finding out about what's looking, cannot be seen. What's looking is never going to be seen. What's hearing is never going to be heard, ever. What's feeling right now is never going to be felt. What's tasting is never going to be tasted. You cannot objectify what you are. That's that, really. Entertain the possibility and see how the chips fall. What I found as a translation here in time, as an action figure, it just allowed me to travel lighter for a long period of time. The lightness is stabilized. And it didn't change the geography of my life. It just allowed me to travel whatever life had in store for the action figure. Operation, no operation, sickness, no sickness, sinus problems, no sinus problems. You'll travel lighter over it all. And then you'll realize you were the source of the heaviness. And also, you're the source of the lightness. Yeah? The heaviness is produced and the lightness is unproduced. The heaviness is of time, the lightness is not of time. Yeah, The heaviness is of things and places and the lightness is of non-thing and non-place. Yeah. it's like Jesus says you know the tree by its fruits You know, a good tree cannot bring forth bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bring forth good fruit you'll know the tree by its fruits you can't know the tree because you can't see it can't feel it, you can't taste it it's not a thing but I would say it's what's seeing everything and tasting everything and feeling everything but it can't be felt, tasted or thought about it's not an experience that you and I are going to have. We'd have to be something other than it to experience it. And it would have to be a thing to be experienced. And it ain't. So this message isn't about the experiential realm. It'll bring lightness to the experiential realm, but it's not found in the experiential realm. It's not an experience. If it was, I'd get super high at these talks. 
and all I feel is more and more vacant all the time. I haven't gotten one fucking thing out of any talk that's ever happened. When I go home, go on tours, I come home, my friends ask me what happened, I say it's over. And basically there's, there's no description. It's totally vacant. It's a vacant event, which is incredibly full of something that can't be found here. It's like the background moves to the foreground, the foreground moves to the background, and it's like the horse is finally in front of the cart. Everything fucking makes sense. Instead of trying to get to nothingness through a thing, you realize you're not a thing, and therefore you're, you are at nothingness. Yeah? Or like we say in recovery, maintaining the spiritual condition. What's the highest form of maintenance of a spiritual condition? Being a spiritual condition. That's the highest form of maintenance. I mean, it's being itself all the freaking time. Yeah. So why do you do it? Hmm? Why do you do this? I don't know. Compelled. <coughs> so what's the experience of the compelling? Is that in this world, or is that in this other space, that compelling? Well, if it was of this world, I would have given up a long time ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> because it's a bad business idea. Okay. This is not a good career choice. <laughs> Because if, you, if you're a true inviter, you're going to become obsolete pretty quickly. So, <laughs> I wish I could have changed. I wish I would have given practices out. I'd have a fucking huge thriving business. I'd have at least eight retreats a year. And so is it compelling a bridge? Or I don't know what. It's just a seat assignment for me. You know, I think everyone has a seat assignment. And... We may not know it, but it's always musical chairs. The music guns up, and you get up, and it doesn't matter how many times you stop right in front of this chair, it never becomes your chair. It's just a seat assignment, yeah? So I'm just sharing an invitation. I never, you know, the idea of being the inviter is insane, or a teacher. The only thing you can teach is about what you're not, really. I mean, advaita isn't a topic to be taught. It means not to. It's a negation. So the you that has that seat assignment, is that the different you than was having the experiences of desires? And of desires, is it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. The construction of it, you mean? Well, the you who's experiencing the seat assignment, how is that qualitatively different than the you who existed and experienced the world? Oh, the drug addict you. Well, the drug addict you, one thing that's usually different, I don't have magnetic appeal to people in uniform anymore, which is fucking (laughs) great. I have a lot of, that's a big break in this you. This was an upgrade. (laughs) The other you was quite dangerous. But, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't. The other you, the, the you is basically a mental reaction to experience, yeah? So it's basically looking at experience as if it's the one who's having the experience. And that's where desire comes from. So you you may not be having an experience you want, or you may be having an experience you don't want. So the desire moves. And to me, the whole engine of selfing is a desire. So the whole engine of selfing is a desire to become, and then it presupposes it's something it wants to unbecome. So... The agitation that people describe as irritability, restlessness, and discontentment is just selfing. Yeah? Because selfing, if you ever had an unthwarted desire, it produces what? Disease, yeah? So let's say if selfing wants to become a thing, yeah? It wants to be a body, and yet it can never be a body, that would be a thwarted desire, wouldn't it? And then if it wasn't the thing it doesn't want to be to begin with, it was not going to get a very quenching hit when it unbecomes it because it will be empty because it was never that to begin with, yeah? But it, it never ends because the desire is always thwarted, so the desire keeps agitating itself. To me, that's the root of selfing, yeah? Now, the idea that there was a you before and there's a you now, they're just sides of a... It's like a, a sphere that's moving... And so you see, if you look at the Earth from one satellite, you see Russia. Another, you see America. So here, one part of life, addict, and then recovered person. But they're not, you're neither of those, yeah? You're neither the one who was recovered or the one who's addicted. That's the relief. 
So I don't know if it got to what you're asking because I got lost there, but you're talking about what compelled an experience or whatever, I don't know. I have no idea. It's like Ram Maharshi says a beautiful thing. He said was when he was dying near death, a lot of people that are hanging out with him were pretty clear, and, and he, they, they said, well, should we teach and stuff? So he said, you know, all of you can teach, but I don't recommend it. And then they, they asked him why, and they said, well, what's going to happen if the meetings get too big? You'll probably be moved by compassion to make it more understandable to the people, and then the message will be lost, yeah? So maybe my predilection is compassion. The defect of character is compassion. Because when I see people, especially in the tribe I've grown in and grown up in, recovery, I like to see them travel lighter. I see it as a very, very easy uh, opportunity and possibility. If if they could get weaned off of what's not happening, and the original what's not happening is you as a body, their mental state, their interest and attention tends to be absorbed in yesterday and tomorrow. Yeah. So most people who are flipping out right now aren't flipping out about right now. They're flipping out about last week and next week, basically. Yeah. So we're displaced in a sense. Our interest and attention has us wedded to yesterday and tomorrow. And I call that what's not happening. Yeah. And I find it would be very easy to get out of there because it's not a real place to get out of. It's actually not happening. So if you could just see it as not happening, yeah, there's not there's no more you need to do about what's not happening. It's just see that it's not happening. So I would say that's a compelling thing. But I don't know. I just to see it's like a habit now. I've just been coming here. Thank God I've never shown up because if it was about me, I would have said no a few times. Any other questions? I usually don't let questions in. You freaking got in. Because <laughs> there's a souffle, you can sense it. Yeah. Sometimes the questions take... It's like opening the oven door up too early and then the souffle drops. You have to see a lot of times when we get together, it's really a hostile environment. <laughs> the selfing, this parasitical movement is like the... God of the Old Testament. It's very jealous, doesn't want anything put before it. It's it's just very much like selfing, the description of the old God in the Testament, Old Testament. It's a motherfucker, it'll smoke you like crazy. So I've noticed that in most cases, the biggest dilemma with every invitation is the reluctance of the hearer of it, really. The invitation's so easy. It's so simple, but the repetition is because of reluctance and resistance, really, basically. And then people like to get stuck on the messenger to, to, uh, to deny or ignore the message, yeah? Which is also a tricky little move. That being a mailman is a good approach. So when I say I'm just like a mailman, I don't want you to come home with the mailman, you know? I'm just inviting you. Here you go, bro. You've been served the spiritual subpoena. It's going to call you to court, but it's not the court of the mental state. It'll be the court of light. And in that court of light, you're already free. Whatever you believe you did or didn't do has no fucking significance whatsoever in your inherent state. That sky has never been blemished by what's appeared in it. Never. All the fucking clouds haven't left one impression on the sky. No plane has called down to the tower said they ran into a big chunk of sky. When it rains, the sky doesn't get wet. Yes? The mind is like that. It allows everything to appear in it, yet it's not affected by anything that appears in it. It's like we say, it's like the screen. All the movies. You ever go to a movie theater? No one ever claps for the screen. You know what I mean? Without the screen, there ain't no movie. But we get so engaged in the movie, we miss the whole point of it. What's the basis of this event? And what's our role in the basis of this event? Are we actually a thing in it? A separate thing that has nothing to do... How could a statement like you and I give all the meaning it has, how could that not see, not lead you? <laughs> That's like a big fucking crumb on the trail. 
wait a minute, if I'm giving everything all the meaning it has, then what's giving me a meaning? <laughs> yeah. And then what gives that a meaning? Yeah. And then, you know, you ever have realizations? Something happens, something dawns on you. So here's the realization. This is a safe realization. So something happens, but you're still in, you're still intact perfectly as a self. <laughs> you're just acquiring more little spiritual medallions. Or like epiphanies, you know, they're like big game, big, uh, big game heads on your spiritual mantle, you know. So here's the realization: Oh, I fucking, I'm seeing, I'm observing all the mental and the emotional states, not realizing that what's saying that is a mental state. <laughs> all right. Oh, I feel so incredibly clear. Okay, <laughs> but this hat with this message, it goes like this: shoot, and then what? And then you are seen. You are seen. What is always assuming it's the point of looking? You are seen. Yeah? The gig is up. The, the cat's out of the bag, so to speak. Never to be put back in the bag. Yeah? You are always, as this, appearing in front of the camera. And what we are is looking behind the camera. There's that old, there's a Monty Python skit, which is pretty cool, where they, they're in an English garden, but they're acting like they're in Africa, and they come out of the bushes, and they have safari hats, and their canteens are all empty, and they have their little khaki shorts, and they have no food, and they're going, we're going to die, we're all going to die here, and then suddenly they go, but someone's filming us, and then they, this, the camera opens up wider, and there's this whole film crew with sandwiches and sodas and everything, oh, we're saved, and they all start drinking, and then go, wait a minute, Someone's filming us. And then they go back, Father, and there's a film crew of the film crew, and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> Ramana said, you know, people get this experience. They're in the theater, and they see the movie, and they realize the movie isn't real. But there's an assumption they're real. They said the circle's bigger. That feeling of being you, seeing the unreality of the movie, is part of the unreality. You, as this, is never going to be in context. You are always appearing in the circle. This is always appearing in the circle. Where this stops, that's where we begin. And this stopping is so minuscule. It's a little loop in a very small thread of time. And there's this incredible space of what we are. And if you could just step back out of this mental tripod that keeps saying, I'm the one who's feeling this, I've seen that... And just have the sense of what's seeing that which is saying it's seeing. What's seeing it? What's seeing that which is stating it's seeing? What's seeing that which is saying I'm looking? What is that? Go there. And there's an infinite trip. Say that I notice myself doing that. That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You're never gonna see it, bro. Just entertain the idea that that which is saying it's all good ain't you. That's all. It's not stopping it. It's not starting it. It's just not aligning with it. Not being an ally of it so easily. You know. Stay in a little suspension because something is seeing that. And that which is always going to be seeing you is what we really are. Yet the you is never going to see it. That's the good news. You could stop looking and find out. recovery we have a statement called the pause everyone who's in recovery has been probably uh, gifted this sense of pause that pause is what we are it becomes obvious because sometimes when the pause drops in it stops the production of what we're not so it pauses the whole selfing and there's your original face as it's always been not a face 
at all times, right where you are, with no fucking requirement necessary to meet it. We're not saying stop the selfing. If you lose interest in it, it's more than enough. If you lose interest in the thoughts, and you won't as long as you're held as the thinker, you will not lose interest in them. Your attempt to lose interest in them will be an interest in them. Just like someone will start studying about self to get out of self for two years, that could be construed as being in self. Yeah? You'll lose interest. The thoughts will come and go as they always do. The feelings will come and go as they always do. Yeah? You won't be like wet cement that everything that gets placed leaves a lasting impression in memory and time that you constantly redo those steps and walk on the cement the same fucking way. No. Just like every time you walk on sand, the inevitability of the water rising washes it all away. Yes, yes, yes. It's like nothing ever freaking happened except all that is that's always happening, which we can't notice. We can't remember it because it's never been forgotten. It's never not here. You can only remember things that aren't here. You can't remember something that's always here. That would be be such a downgrade in the event. You know it by not knowing it, in a sense. You know it by realizing what you're not. The seeing of what I'm not is the event of what I am. The seeing of what I'm not, not the seer of what I'm not, the seeing of what I'm not, is what I am. It's like going in the back door. A lot of us have done the affirming way, the positive route. All right, I've got an idea, there's the eternal oneness, and now I'm going to do something and have myself into a condition that I'll get merged into the oneness. It hasn't worked. This is no. There's no need to merge in the oneness. There's only a need to merge in the oneness when there's a belief in two-ness, and there is no two-ness. This is like, we're not giving you a map of how to get out. We're saying the place is imaginary where you feel you're in. If you stop huffing and puffing, Nothing appears, to tell you the truth. How many times have you had events when that selfing got stopped? When you do something you love, like when I'm in the water, when I used to surf a lot, it used to always produce it so easily. Because you're not interested in remembering you yesterday and remembering you tomorrow. You're engaged in the experience right then and there. Because there's love there. There's interest there. Yeah. Now, if you pin it on the ocean and then you get hurt... That's a bad position to be in. But to realize you're the one who brings the joy into the ocean that gets triggered by the surfing, then there's freedom there. Nothing has brought me and you anything. Certain things bring it out of us, that's all. There are events that bring us out But nothing out there goes in. to beat a dead horse. This is the message. Invitation. There's a chapter in The Course of Miracles that says, I need do nothing. It's a very interesting chapter. 
where it talks about all these methodologies like contemplation, yoga, service, this and that. And they, it says, because the big M mind intends them, they will lead, quote-unquote, to freedom. Yeah? The freedom will be, will be initiated because it's already so as mind. But he says, if you're reading this book, this book may have a purpose in your life. And what's that purpose? To save you time. Because if anything is worth its salt, it's going to lead you to the realization that I need do nothing. Yeah? Like any practice, the value of the practice is that it fails you. The value of a savior is that he fails you and she fails you. That's their value. So that you get left with nothing and you finally realize that was what you've been looking for all the time. So, why not start? So, let's say all the somethings we've done. Let's say there's a lot of people here, a number of people. And, I mean, we've done a lot of somethings in our lives. I'd say in this side of the room, maybe 80. A lot of this, like 500 somethings. And in a one sense, you have to admit it's total up to nothing, basically. Yeah. Why not start at nothing? Why not start and finish at I need do nothing? See what that beckons. Instead of looking so hard, maybe stop and see what that beckons. See what downloads then when you stop looking. Yeah. See what gets revealed when you stop looking I mean we've tried a lot of methodologies have they worked the only one I believe that's worth its salt is negation really is to negate what we're taking ourselves to be so that we don't try to approach what we are from what we're not so by seeing what I'm not I may realize that's what I am to me that's how it panned out that's how it worked so it's like reverse engineering. Some events occurred and I'm just trying to explain them by reverse engineering them. So it wasn't about I have found anything. I just realized I wasn't that that was looking for something. And I didn't rush out and try to do a lot. I let it get established and entertained it and it bore fruit. And it keeps on bearing fruit. It waters itself. as It's its own light. And it has a deep desire or expression or urge to express. And it's just as willing. The water is willing to go through any hose that's available. But it needs a hose. And so if you play the role of the hose, you're going to feel the water come through. You know? If you're having trouble, do some service. That will bring it out. That's like priming the pump. Then you'll feel, you'll feel what we call the experience of being out of self. You'll feel that the sense of being available and bigger and then in that availability we call something we say we sense the presence of the spirit what was that all about well we came out of the ass of self yeah by by doing something by offering our time or attention to others it provokes something out of us let's say the poison then we had the huge relief from that and we felt the availability that we always are and the presence that we always are but immediately, we went up back, seemingly up the ass of self, and then we had to go shopping for another divine proctologist to pull us out of that ass. But in fact is, what goes up never was, that is not you. We're following a mental ball and taking it to be us. We're following a mental ball that says, I was connected, and then I did something, I'm disconnected. You're neither of those poles. You're the seeing of it. That's always established. This seeing is never blinked. It never turned away. It's incessant onness. You are bright. Nothing's blown out the candle. All the winds, all the earth-shattering events, never has extinguished it. It's what's truly reliable. You can rest there. And you have plenty of attention and interest to deal with a day. But you don't have enough to deal with fucking yesterday and tomorrow all the time. It's exhausting us. You know how many people are experiencing the physiological effects of fear, of fear being produced by mental anxiety? I mean,
maybe in my life 30 times as an action figure fear was totally appropriate man when the cops were chasing me or fucking my friend overdosed something like that then fear arose but most people are feeling tons of anxiety that are mimicking physiologically the effects of fear before 12 o'clock in the afternoon and they live in Marin County they've gone to yoga Whole Foods two Whole Foods they've had a tantric foot massage and they're still flipped out by 12 what's happening they're not responding to what's going on it's a beautiful day in Marin yeah they're reacting to what's not happening why are they so keen on what's not happening why are they addicted to what's not happening when there is what's happening because they appear there their idea of being Paul appears all over yesterday and tomorrow and in a sense doesn't appear now it can only appear now based on there and then If you get, you know, what's not happening has one quality. All what's not happening doesn't have. And anything can happen and what's not happening. Anything can happen. You can be in pristine shape and yet you'll believe you you have cancer, which is not actually happening, but you'll believe it, yeah? So anything can happen and what's not happening. But in what's happening, it has one quality. What's not happening can never have, and that is it's happening. It's actually happening right now. Do you think we'd have to bring... It's like a dog. Do you bring them 800 times to the bowl of food? It gets a sniff once and then it keeps going back there. If we got a sense of being here, we'd have an immunity to yesterday and tomorrow. We don't have to keep constantly... We get it. (laughs) It's not rocket science. It's It's pretty simplistic. People come over and they want to talk to me about what's not happening a lot. And they want to spend a lot of time talking about what's not happening. And if I was a psychiatrist and that was my specialty, I'd be rich in one week. Because the person would think they were coming in for an hour session, they start talking, I'd go, that's not happening. Bye, see you next week. I could have 60 clients in like a day. Literally. What happens, people don't even know they're having a bad day until their head breaks the news to them at 8 at night. They were in the whole day, and then the head says, oh, they were out to get you today. Oh, yeah, they were. You were that was a fucking bad day at work. Oh, yeah, you have no clue what's going on. When you're not seemingly located here, anything can get away. All false evidence can appear to be real. You bitch about the mental moths, but the reason why they're circling is the light. Take the bulb away, the moths will disperse. Stop calling thoughts yours, they disperse. Stop calling feelings yours, they disperse. Yeah, just entertain the possibility. We're not saying do anything. Just take one little two-letter word away, my. Just hold it in like suspicion and see what happens. See if you don't start traveling lighter. All right, that's it.